Paul just said, you know what? We just lost our greatest cheerleader. We lost the one who always believed in us, who always knew we could do it, who always was there, you know, just, oh, you, you're the best. You know, you just kept hearing that. And so when we thought about today, it, it, one of the things that hit me, and the reason we just did what we did, is why is it that we wait for the person to die to say, you're awesome. We love you. You're incredible. Thank you. I know you're in this casket and can't hear me, but thank you. And we just thought, you guys, you know what the Bible says? It says to encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Encourage each other. There's another great passage. Both of these are in Hebrews. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Okay? People were kind of bailing on things. And he said, but let us encourage one another. You know, and I, I was sitting there, and I just, I never actually thought about the word encourage. I thought, well, encourage somebody. Oh, I'll lift them up. But actually, when you look at it, what does encourage mean? If you look back at the whole history of the word, it means actually to give courage. To put courage into somebody. That's what happens when you encourage someone. And you know what the world is full of? Discouragement. Isn't it? I mean, I'm telling you, all around, there are great opportunities to discourage. And guess what that word means? It means, dis means away. You take away courage. And so, I was just, I was really grateful for those who responded to this opportunity just to be able to say, you know what I want to do today? Is I want to give courage to these people today. To live the life that you could be living I want, to, I want to not discourage you. I want to encourage you. And so I thought about that for me today. You guys, what I want to do today is I want to encourage you to give you courage. For what? To live the life that God has for you. Every once in a while, I'll just stop, and I need to, and so do you. We need to do this. Because this is what happens at funerals, right? I don't know about you, but you sit there and you watch the life, and what do you do? I don't know about you, but I always go, what am I doing? What am I doing? Right? I got one life. Like the opening song said, I've got one life. And what I'm hoping can happen today is that you might leave this place with courage to live the life, the one life that God has for you, remembering that when he knits you together in your mother's womb, Every day was ordained for you before one of them came to be. He has plans for you today and tomorrow and for the rest of your life. And he wants you to leave a legacy. A legacy. He wants you to jump in the pond and have your life go and just affect people for generations and generations and generations to come. And so today... I'm hoping that you'll be encouraged to live the legacy that you have for you. And here's the phrase for me today. Because here's the reality. What you say and what you do changes the world. What you say and what you do changes the world. And on the flip side of that, we can also say what you don't say and what you don't do changes the world. It really does. And I think part of the reason why we have, need to have this message today to look at our legacy is I think sometimes we feel so small and so insignificant that we don't feel like our life really matters. I tell you, can I, how many parents are in here today? 
Okay? Raise your hand. Hold them up there for a second. Okay. Now you know, right? You know that what you say and what you do changes your child and their whole life and how they live. I'm telling you, and if you're not parent today, if you, it doesn't matter who you are, where you live, where you work. All of us rub shoulders with people every single day. And we have a chance to impact them. To boom, 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 boom. And what you say and what you do literally changes the world. And we're going to look at that here in the scriptures. But let's pray. Because again, you guys, let's remember this today. The only reason we are gathered here today is because we believe that there really is a God who really does know you and really cares about you and the life that you lead and who has plans for you. And you have a chance, and I have a chance today, to actually engage with this living God who by His Spirit will speak to your spirit today, if you'll let Him. If your heart will be open, if your ears, as Jesus always said, have ears to hear, if you will be ready to hear today, I believe that God can encourage you to live the life that he has for you to live and to leave the legacy that he wants you to leave. So let's pray right now, and you pray with me. Open up your heart today to the God who loves you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that our lives matter. Thank you that what we do is not insignificant. I confess to you, sometimes I wish it was. Sometimes I wish that the choices that I make in my life and the things that I say and the things that I do would not have such an impact, but the reality is they do. And Lord, I just, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Because God, you, you've given each, each one of us in this room one shot, one opportunity to leave a legacy. And I just pray that today you might speak to our hearts and help us Help us and encourage us. You are the God who gives encouragement and endurance. And I pray that we'd receive it from you today, that we would hear what we need to hear today so that we can live the life that you want us to live. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to pull out. Uh, a few weeks ago, I shared with you a passage from Judges. And, uh, and I'm going to go back there again. going to go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Judges, and actually go right back to chapter 2 which is the following passage from the one that I taught on just a few weeks ago. This is the last one in the series, by the way, when we're just saying, let's take a look at different things, anything that we, Andy and I wanted to share just from our own time in the Word. And uh, this is my last one. I just, I, when I read this a few months ago, it just so struck me. It actually was kind of haunting what I'm going to read for you today. And, uh, and I just felt like, man, I feel like if I could share anything today for me and for you, we need to take a look at our legacy. And uh, in Judges, again, let me just give a little bit of history. Back in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, with Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, you will be the father of a huge nation. And I am going to provide for you a promised land. I promise you that your descendants will live in this land. Well, you got Abraham, right? And then you got Isaac, and then you've got his son Jacob. And Jacob's name was turned into Israel. And one of Jacob's sons was Joseph, right? Joseph got sent into slavery. He ended up in Egypt. Now I gotta go really quick. This is a big history, but just in case you don't know this. And then he rises up into power in Egypt, helps save everybody from the famine. The, his 11 brothers who threw him into slavery travel all the way to Egypt, and they don't know it's him, right, in power. 
long, beautiful, they get back together, everybody loves each other, it's wonderful. Then the nation grows, and it grows, and it grows into Israel. And then their bondage and slavery, and then comes Moses, and Moses leads them out of slavery. Miraculous story. God shows up in unbelievable ways, frees them from slavery, leads them into the desert. They grumble, they complain, that those people die off, a new generation rises up, and even Moses doesn't get to take him in. Then we get Joshua, and Joshua actually gets to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Joshua, wonderful book, read it, great book. In fact, we're going to do a series on it here in the fall. And as he comes in, Joshua leads the people into the land, but as soon as they get into the land, we get to the book of Judges. Horrible book. And I shared with you a few weeks ago that we have to take a look at confession because sin is where we find these Israelites. But now let me start off in verse 6 as we take a look at our legacy. This is so amazing to me. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at timnath in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaish. I couldn't help but think about that. Well, I wonder what kind of funeral that was. Joshua, the man who had strong and courageous and, and led them into this land, he finally dies at 110. And you can just imagine what an incredible funeral that was. Verse 10. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them, and they provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him, and they served Baal and the Asherahs. Did you guys catch that? Did you, when I read this, I'm like, now, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a second here. Joshua, right? Joshua was faithful. He served the Lord. And then it goes in, the, in, the, in verse 6, or verse 7, it says, The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. So while Joshua's leading, the people served the Lord. This is awesome. Things were good. Joshua dies. The elders, the guys who hung out with Joshua, the guys who saw all the amazing things that God had done, right? While they were alive, it says the people still served the Lord. And then those people die. And what happens to their kids? They didn't know the Lord, and they didn't know what he had done. Is there a disconnect here for any of you? How in the world do you live a life that says you serve the Lord, and then the very next generation rises up, and they don't even know who he is? And because they don't know who he is, and because they don't know what he's done, what do they do? Well, why would you follow a God you don't know? And why would you follow a God who you don't know anything that he did? 
And the next thing you know, they forsake him, and they go after the gods of the people. And they lose it, and God's anger rises up. I'm telling you, if you're a parent today, and that doesn't send chills down your spine. When I read that, I couldn't help but think, now wait a second. You're telling me it's actually possible to go to K2, the church on Sunday, and to serve, and to be faithful, and to have the very next generation rise up and have no idea who God is. To have no idea who Jesus is, to care less about him, to go after the gods of the people. And can I ask you a question? I mean, if it was tempting back then, how much more tempting is it now? How much more tempting is it in our culture to go after the gods of the people? I'm telling you, there was no internet back then, right? I mean, we are bombarded and drawn and lured to give our lives to the things that God despises. And so when I read that, I just thought, holy crow, we got to figure this out. This really bothers me. I want to go, what happened? What happened here? What, what, or what didn't happen is maybe even a better question. And, and when I thought about that, you guys, here's some, here's some possibilities, because you got to remember this right here. What you say and what you do changes the world. And what you don't say and what you don't do changes the world. And apparently the world here changed in one generation. The world of the Israelites, the nation of the Israelites changed. So somehow they blew it. And I thought about what the possibilities are. Can I just tell you one of the biggest, scariest things for me? One of the biggest, scariest things for me is being a pastor who has kids. You guys, I don't, I don't know if you grew up in the church world or law. You ever seen pastor's kids? Oh, look, you hear that? Yeah. I'm telling you. You know, then I had somebody else say, oh, well, missionary kids. Hey, I went to a school. You ever seen missionary kids? I'm telling you. When you see pastor's kids or missionary's kids, and I went to Asbury College Christian School in Wilmore, Kentucky, was full of a bunch of them. And they were either the most amazing, awesome kids, or they were straight from hell. <laughs> I'm telling you, there was no, I mean, it was no middle ground. And so it really scares me. And then when I read this passage, I sit there and I say, the elders who outlived Joshua, people served the Lord, and as soon as the elders died, their generation went, forget you. Scares me. And I know in these kids and some of the things they grew up and then watching what I so scared for in my and Susie's life and the rest of us on staff here. I know part of the issue is it was hypocrisy. A lot of times their kids saw their dad or their mom, you know, do the church thing. And then at home it was completely different. And if that's going on, see you later. Because we'll follow you, your kids will follow you, but they'll also just bail on you. I think sometimes there could maybe, maybe what happened is there was no real instruction. Maybe, maybe there was no time spent, right? So it was like, well, just go to Adventure Canyon and learn it there because I'm really busy, right? And, and all of a sudden, you're not pouring into your children. You don't spend. But I can tell you that the biggest issue I know with, with the kids I knew who were PKs and MKs, is what, that's what you call them, PKs and MKs, was this, is they just weren't loved. They really weren't loved. They knew a lot of stuff, but they weren't loved. There was no intentionality to actually pass it on. And so I wonder, is that what happened here? Was this generation so busy, maybe, doing like church stuff, serving God, 
that they forgot about the next generation. And I thought about that, like how weird would a funeral be where you die and you're laying in the casket and everybody goes, you were amazing. And yet the ripple effect didn't last. Is that possible? See, that scares me. And so I just wondered, did they hear it? And did they, did they not hear it? And did they not see it? And I have to ask this question, what about us? What about us with this next generation? What's going to happen? And, I, and, I, and not only for our children, but to everybody who's going to survive us. Because again, what God really wanted to do with this nation was have them live in such a unique way that all of a sudden the world around them could go, man, never seen a people like this. And so when we look at this, you guys, we are, which you, I don't know if you guys know this. I think you do. Did you know we're making history right now? That's what we're doing. Did you know that we're creating our legacy right now? And I just, I just, when I read that passage, I just thought, oh God, please, please don't let that be true of me. How can we make sure that our legacy will continue on and flourish and not end with us? Well, what we got to do to understand, I think, what happened and what went wrong is you have to go back to the book of Deuteronomy. In the Old Testament, fifth book of the Old Testament, Moses is doing a lot of teaching here. And what happens is in chapter 5, he reminds all the people of the Ten Commandments, right? He goes, now you guys remember this, right? Remember God? I went up on the mountain. Pretty amazing experience. He wrote this stuff, brought them down to you. These are the things that he wants us to do. And what I want to read for you is this, because you've got to remember this, right? What you say and what you do changes the world. And what you don't say and what you don't do changes the world. Look at what Moses says right here, starting in chapter 6 with verse 1. He says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Isn't this wild? I love, this is when the Bible gets fun when you read the whole story. Way back in Moses' time, okay, he was already encouraging the people, listen, when you guys pass this Jordan, because God promised you would, and you go into this land, I'm teaching you these things right now, and make sure that you observe them in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that, what? So that you, your children, and their children, after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And when you look at this passage, you guys, let, let me just, here's the first thing you got to remember. What you do changes the world. What you do. You know, we hear that all the time, right? It's not what's taught, it's what's caught. Look at what he tells them. In this passage, he said, I'm teaching you to observe these things, which means don't just know them, keep them, really hold to them, so that generation after generation will actually continue to fear the Lord. 
Keep his decrees and his commands. Be careful to obey. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And make sure that these commands and these decrees are upon your heart. Okay? So we're sitting here, all of us who raised our hands who have kids, all of you who don't have kids. The world that you live in, the sphere of influence, <clears throat> the sphere of influence that you have. The question for all of us is, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we actually loving the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are we obeying his decrees and his commands, observing them? Are they upon our heart? Because I can tell you this right now, you guys, the world needs to see Jesus. That's what they need. They need to actually experience him. They need to look at our lives and say, wow, there's actually something different about you. And I'm telling this, if you will do that, if you will just do what God has asked us to do, we can change the world. We really can. You can change your world because everybody's watching you. And I don't care how insignificant you think you are, you're not. We've been teaching this this last year. God placed you where he has you for a season and for a purpose. And how you live your life is going to affect the generations beyond us. And you're laying in the casket and your life is done. What did you do? What did people see? Did they see it? And one of my questions in, in Judges here is, did they actually see it? And you guys, when you're reading the Old Testament, you always got to go to the New Testament, right? And you go, well, what did Jesus do? Because did Jesus leave a legacy? Yeah, he did a pretty decent job. So what did he do? Well, in, in Jesus, in, in the book of John, chapter 13, starting with verse 12, it says this. When he had finished washing their feet, he washed their disciples' feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And then he said, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What did Jesus do? Why was he able to leave such a great legacy? Partly it was because he did it. I mean, the people hung out with him. They saw the 12 who were with him all the time. They just saw him doing it. And was he consistent? Yes, he did it, and he did it, and he did it. And then he says, and what I did, you guys saw that, right? What I just did? Go do it. And man, as a parent, right, this is when all of a sudden you realize, holy moly. Susan and I were just talking about this. We had a long drive back home just last night from her mom's in, in Colorado, and those are always the good times to dive into some conversation. Each other as I have loved you. And so Susan and I, when we look at our kids and when we look at around the people that we hang out with, one of the things we realize is so much of their behavior is our behavior. And that's really scary. <laughs> and it really is because there's so much that I just, I realized this just this last week. I'm looking at my kids and I'm, oh, I'm so frustrated. And then I look at my life and I'm like, oh, I'm so frustrated. Thank you. <sighs> Don't need to have surgery again. All right. So, but, but I just, I realize, you guys, that what we do changes the world around us. Paul said it too. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. When he was teaching a new pastor, Timothy, he said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. 
And you know what, you guys? If we have any chance that the next generation is actually going to be able to continue on with God, they have to see it in us. It has to be a part of who we are. Because I think if it is, then God is actually very good, and our kids will hold on to that. But if it's hypocritical, they will take a 180 turn on us. They really will. And so we have to be very careful. And I was just thinking about this too. You guys, so much of who I am today is not just for my mom and dad. So much of who I am today is because of the people that I rub shoulders with on a regular basis. And I realize this is one of the things that has to happen. We actually have to spend time with people and make sure that when we spend time with them, we are who we are consistently with integrity all the time. Andy's message last week is haunting me. When faith, what you really believe, is actually what you do. I got done with that last week and just sat there with my little notes and just said, what would people say just by what I do? Not by what I get up here and say, but by what I do. That's what's going to lead it. Because what you do changes the world. And what you don't do changes the world. All right? So that's the first part, the doing. But now, let's go back to, to Deuteronomy. And uh, the next verse, uh, verse 7, says this. Once you got all these things and you're doing them, it says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. <laughs> so what you do matters, but guess what else? What you say does change the world. And what you don't say actually changes the world impress them on your children. I love that. Talk about them all the time. All the time. Everywhere. You know, I, I, next week maybe we'll walk around, we'll all have them on our foreheads, right? We'll have little things tied around our wrists. Have you guys ever been? I've been to Israel, and they do that. They, they still, the committed Jewish people still have these things as constant reminders. Put them on your door frames. Have reminders all over the place, because what you say changes the world, and what you don't say changes the world. And so here's my first question. You know, with your children, what are they hearing from you? Your coworkers, your, your, your school, you know, your, the, your friends at school, what do they hear you say? And, and the first thing that hit me was this. Do you know what to say? Do you know what to say? I, I know right now that the thought of going home and leading your children in a spiritual exercise <laughs> totally freaks you out. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to do this. And so the first thing that hit me, you guys, is if you don't know what to say, the most important thing that you can do for the next generation is be committed to your own spiritual growth. To your own growth. Are you hungering and thirsting after God? How are you equipping yourself with the tools to be able to pass on to your children? Because you know the last thing that you're going to want is to lay in your casket someday and have your kids get up there and go, well, I didn't know a God. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. You, you're, you're not going to want that to happen. And so I, what is personal growth? This is. 
Partly, showing up on Sunday. I love what Hebrews says. Let's not give up meeting together as some, in there, as some are in the habit of doing, right? But let's encourage each other daily. And so being here is important, but you guys know we've said it a million times. If this hour on Sunday is all you're getting, the personal growth and having what you need to be able to pass on to those who are going to survive you is not enough. The small groups that we offer here are absolutely critical to find one that matches where you're at in your own journey so that you can learn the things that you need to learn. And so you can check those out, and we'll be kicking off all new ones again this fall. Be ready and be open to connecting yourself in relationship with people in small groups so you have a chance to really grow. And then your own personal study. I'm telling you still, the absolute best thing I've got for my wife and for my kids and for you. In fact, this message today came out of what? Me reading the Bible on my back porch in the, in the backyard on the morning. I'm telling you, God will speak to you. He loves you. He knows you. And in this is everything that we need. Everything we need. The teaching to help us. And if you're not letting this fill you up and you're not learning and personally growing from your own time in here, then you're not probably going to have much to say to the next generation. I just... And that, that's just, whoa. And again, is the next generation going to rise up and go, didn't hear it? I didn't see it. Man, I tell you, we have to be personally growing in this. Can I just say something? And this, I'll just be totally honest with you guys. This is really hard. I, I wish I could be as vulnerable as possible to you. I, okay, I've been to seminary, right? I think I should know something to pass on to my kids. But I'm telling you, Susan and I, as we talk, one of the hardest things for me to do is to, when I get home, and I've got two or three hours with my kids before they go to bed, is to not be stuck in my own life and in my own existence, wanting my own comfort and just needing to take a break. I'm telling you, it is so hard for me to remember that the most important job I have is to pour into my kids. I will be driving down the road, and all of a sudden, Mariah or Ashlyn will spout off all these things. I'm like, where did you get that from? Oh, Adventure Canyon. I'm like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> awesome. Where'd you get that from? Oh, it's from school. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, you know what I want to hear? Where'd you get that from? Oh, you. <laughs> you know, and I'm telling you, I just want to tell you this. See, I didn't have this growing up. It's totally foreign to me, too. I, I, hate, I hate that but it's true. Can I just tell you, would you, would you join me this year in getting better at making our home a place where our kids hear it and they see it and they get to experience it? I talked with Dave Elsog. I met with the Adventure Canyon team. One of the things we're going to do this fall is begin creating tools that will be on our website and that you'll get on after the Sunday to give you things that you can actually use with your kids. I just went down to the, to the Hooters book and Bible. You know, right down on, um, okay, come on, work with me here. You know, that's what all us pastors call it anyway. So, but the, the Christian bookstore right over here on 72nd, and I went in there, and I just combed, I just combed the, uh, the, the shelves, and I looked, and I just said, what's, what's on there? And I found this little devotional called God and Me for girls, ages 2 to 5 for Ashlyn, and ages 6 to 8 for Mariah. And I just pick it up, and I use it because I need tools. They need time, and they need tools. I need tools 
And then you got to take advantage of the moment. I, you know what? I, we just, Susan and I too, I just, oh, how much do I confess? You know, like I know people like couples, they pray together and they do devotions together. You know, we don't. I probably shouldn't say that. But you know what we do do? We do it on our own. <laughs> and then when we come together, we constantly share it with each other. We constantly are speaking about it. And when I spend my own time with God, guess what? Now I got stuff to share with my kids. In fact, that happened just a couple weeks ago. Just a, I learned something really cool from my own time with God. And I just took them and I gathered them. I go, guys, check this out. Listen to this. You got to take advantage of the moments. And, and when, when even like last night, when Ashlyn's scared to death, you know, it's having bad dreams. And I can come in and we take advantage of the moment. We teach. And that's what we need to do. And this is why, you guys, because what you say or what you don't say is going to change the world. And I'm telling you, if you don't say it, and if your kids don't hear it, you know that you are the biggest influence on your children. And so am I. I'm mine. And I just say, you guys, we have one shot and one life, and we could jump in and just and have ripples effect, as the scriptures say, from generation to generation to generation. Because we did it, and they saw it, and because they, we said it, and they heard it. And that's what we got to do. So I, did, I can't encourage you guys enough. The first thing you just need to do is you just need to, need to sit there and just think. It's like, am I actually loving the Lord my God with all my heart? I just thought, what's my biggest struggle? You know what my biggest struggle is? It's your biggest struggle. There's lots of good gods out there. And they're very attractive. And they feel good. And they satisfy. And they make you feel important. And then they bite you in the back. They don't work. But I'm telling you, the biggest struggle for me is that I want to spend my time on stuff that doesn't matter. And I want to give my resource and my mental energy to stuff that doesn't matter. And I'm sure you do too. And you know what? At the cost of the next generation, not seeing it and not hearing it, I don't know, I just... Maybe this message is for me more than you. Uh-uh. No way. See, because when I'm actually in the casket, where am I actually going to be? See, I'm actually going to be face-to-face -face with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.10. And I'm going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to be judged, it says, for actually what you did. What you did. Not what you said, but what you did while you were in this body. And everybody will be down here having a funeral. And I'll be standing in front of my maker. Being held accountable for what I did. Susan and I talked just last night. He knit together Mariah and Ashlyn and Caleb in her womb. Nobody else's. That means we're chosen as their parents. And you're chosen for your kids. You're chosen for your workplace. You're chosen for your school. And we can make an impact. And I hope that you will be encouraged to have the courage to live and not have your courage be taken away so that we can make a difference in this world. So here's how we're going to close today. I know that so many of you hate this when we do this. But I just, we just felt like singing right now.
was not the most important thing that we needed to do today. So what we're going to do is we're going to do an exercise that maybe some of you have done. I've done it. Your worship today, because worship, worship, real worship, is your heart being open and responsive to God. And so what we want to do is give you a chance to just interact and engage with God. And here's how we're going to do it. In, in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, there's an exercise in there where he says, and I did this, you picture yourself walking into a funeral. You know, see the flowers, hear the music, smell it, the whole thing. And then he says, you walk up to the front and you look in the casket and it's you. And you actually get to sit at your own funeral. And then what he asks you to do, and I did this, and I'm just going to ask you to do just a couple things. He says, write down every role that you have in your life. Father, son, brother, pastor, husband, you name it. And you write them all down. And then he says, now imagine your spouse getting up at your funeral. And what do you want them to say? Imagine your kids getting up at your funeral. What do you want them to say? Took me a couple hours, man. I wrote long paragraphs. <laughs> you know, this is what I would want these people to say about me. You know what happened when I got done? I looked at it and I went, I'm not doing what I want to have done. My whole life is caught up in stuff that won't matter to me when I die. <laughs> do you guys, you should do this exercise. You will be shocked at how you're spending your life. And it might awaken you to the fact of, wait a second, I should be doing what I really want to have done when I die. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your program. In the, I don't know if the, if the greeters are helping out. Yeah, come on, come on. Uh, if greeters are helping us out here with sheets of paper or pens or whatever. And we're going to actually give you about almost 10 minutes to sit. And I want you to do two, two people. Imagine at your funeral. The first one is this. Who is the person right now that you think you actually have the most influence on? Who is somebody that you feel like is in your world right now that God actually has you in their life to impact them? And I want you to imagine that person getting up at your funeral, and I'd love for you just to write down what you want them to say, okay? That's the first person that stands up at your funeral. Here's the second person that stands up at your funeral. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ shows up to your funeral, stands behind a podium, the one who really knows you, and he shares this to all your family and friends about you. What do you want Jesus Christ to say about your life? Okay? So go ahead and take. I'll give you uh, uh, some time here. I'll kind of help count it down for you. And start to write down, one person, what you want them to say about you. And then secondly, what, would you, what do you want Jesus Christ to say about you at your funeral? Go ahead and take some time to do this.